MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleh Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Every Day Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Every Day Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. And welcome in. It is Wild Card Saturday in the National Football League right here on VSIN Bet Center from downtown Las Vegas at our Circus Sportsbook Studios as we welcome you in for the next four hours with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson, Brian Ortega, our producer behind the glass. We hope you have gotten off to a good start enjoying your Saturday so far of this super wild card weekend. Jeff, we'll get right into it because we will be here in studio for the remainder of our Saturday night game. It is New England, it is Buffalo, and it has been one-way traffic so far. Sir, 14-0 Bills as we play early in the second quarter in a game that saw a lot of late New England money. Jeffrey, that has not appeared to pan out well so far as Buffalo has driven down two times on New England and two times Josh Allen has found Dawson Knox in the end zone for a touchdown Another flag as we begin the show on the Patriots. And this thing is all Buffalo so far. 11.40 to go. Bill's already, Jeff, up to a double-digit 14.5 point live favorite. Yeah, and look, I, I, again, I didn't bet this game. I'm a little frustrated so far with how this has gone that I didn't bet this game because I was looking to bet Buffalo. The number never fully came back to what I wanted. I thought 4.5, four, 4 was about right. If it got to 3.5, I would have... Would have bet, bet it. I only got there maybe for about 15 minutes in the middle of the week and was right back to four. But so far, what the concern for me with New England is they are they're slow laterally on defense. They're still a very good defense, but if they're not getting home at the pass rush, they've been very slow laterally. And we saw that in the meeting in Foxborough in Week 17, where Allen and uh, Allen took full advantage of them, and it was Isaiah McKenzie in that game who. Not very much used, but a very quick wide receiver who destroyed New England in that game at 13 catches and over 150 yards receiving and multiple touchdowns. 
And Buffalo obviously did whatever they wanted in in that game offensively. And if Emmanuel Sanders had caught the one pass in the end zone, that would have even been uglier as Allen's on the move again. Allen, who's already over 55 rushing yards in this game, has really been great with his legs. But, Ben, uh, look, New England's got to find something. That first drive, Mac Jones used his legs. He made a big throw on third down also to convert to Hunter Henry on that drive. And then Micah Hyde made as good of an interception as we've seen from anyone this year. So, so far, the Bills really have looked like the better team. They are the more talented team. And it's looking more and more like that Monday night game was just an anomaly because of the ridiculous weather in that one. Certainly does, at least as of right now. And as you were talking, Josh Allen to Gabriel Davis, 22 yards. Then Josh Allen, eight-yard run. And already Buffalo has accounted for 192 total yards, second and short, as Devin Singletary spins out of a tackle. is about a half yard short. So third and inches for Buffalo, but their third drive of the game, Jeff. And it is the third time they have been deep into, into New England territory now, third and about a half yard just outside of the New England 30. The interesting in-game aspect here, at least for me coming in, not sure if you would agree on this, would have been the total because with what you mentioned in game one, the first game in Buffalo with the gale-forced wins, a 14-10 final that New England won, there was some sense in the market that this total was pretty heavily depressed simply because of what we saw in the first meeting in Buffalo. And while it is very cold tonight, kickoff temperature of seven, windshield down to negative five as there is a, a New England face mask, so no third inches. It will be an automatic first down instead for Buffalo now inside the New England 20-yard line. Uh, but, Jeff, with the, the way the market reacted, just considering this was the third meeting and the, the first meeting in Buffalo was that 24-point total, we saw this go all the way down to 43 at close, was 44 most of the week. In-game right now, we're seeing 47.5. Even though it's one of those games where even though New England has not scored yet, one drive, they were moving the ball pretty efficiently before Mac Jones was intercepted on what was just an amazing play by Micah Hyde in the end zone. You have to think that with Buffalo having 13 first downs on three drives, moving the ball at will, this is this has been playing at an overpace. And at 47.5, that's not an insane in-game number to get in on, Jeff, but you probably would need some help. You would need a Buffalo, as you should say, you would need a New England stop at some point to be able to jump in, at least at a somewhat favorable number, I think. I mean, we're sitting at 47.5 right now. I, if Buffalo scores a touchdown, that's going to go further up. I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind that right now. Because, again, New it's England, so depressed that, like, from a value perspective, shouldn't it have probably been around 47 to begin with this game? And had it been that way, you'd be in the low 50s I right mean, now. I mean, look, it, it was it was a total that people, the, the age-old thing, people duped themselves into thinking that cold weather means no one's going to move the ball. That's not necessarily true. We've already seen in this matchup where it was it was – Cold. It wasn't ridiculously cold in Foxborough. And these teams did whatever the heck they wanted offensively in that game for the most part. And in the game that had the ridiculous wins, that was the game where these teams didn't move the ball. Look, Buffalo has been able to move the ball in conditions that in good conditions without wind or precipitation all year. It hasn't mattered how cold or warm it's been. They've had trouble when it's been windy. The games that have been windy in in, in Buffalo. Last week, I know they ended up with almost 500 yards of offense, but they took a long time to put that game on ice last week against the Jets when the Jets had 50 yards of offense. Carolina, they struggled in a game that was windy and had snow. Same deal with the Atlanta game as well. They lost to Pittsburgh in a game that had a lot of wind up there. When it's not particularly windy and it's ended up being under 10-mile-an-hour winds, Buffalo has been as good as anyone offensively the whole year. And so far, they're going in for three out of three drives with touchdowns as Singletary is first in goal now. 
So after the face mask, four yard yeah. run from Singletary, and then booms forward for a ten yard run, just barreling over a multitude of bodies inside the five. First and goal, Buffalo, eight and a half to go. Funny, I was telling our producer Brian Ortega right before we came on the air. I was hoping to get have an opportunity to get in in game right after the Mac Jones interception because it was obvious both teams were throwing the ball at will, at least in the early going. The the thing I was in need of though is a New England stop, and we have not gotten a stop yet. So give us a favorable number. And to be honest, Jeff, with the way we're seeing this so far, this has been an absolute statement of a first half by Buffalo. It's been a clocking. It's been a complete clocking so far. And look, again, New England, their defense obviously played very well in that game. But again, it it just, just one of those with Buffalo when the weather is good and there's not extreme wind or precipitation. They're the one team where precipitation may matter because we have seen that now a few times where it's precipitated that, the offense just hasn't been quite as good, but it doesn't matter that it's three degrees. The wind's under 10 miles an hour and there's no snow. This is ideal for Buffalo's offense, and we've seen that so Buffalo far. Buffalo already over 100 rushing yards. We're yeah, at that's the 7.30 mark of the first half with a second and goal at the three after another Singletary run for about a yard. And Josh Allen's already over his rushing total as well. He's at 54. Singletary's in. Touchdown. It's 20 to nothing. Going to be 21 nothing wow. in a second here. Uh, wow. The way that they, they, they rule him down? No. They That's stopped. a touchdown. They, 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 Three yard touchdown. Devin Singletary. He does cash. Uh, we've already seen Dawson Knox score twice. You mentioned Josh Allen over his rushing prop. We will keep you abreast of where the prop numbers are. You'll love this, Jeff. I did make a bet in this game, three games. I had the Hunter Henry over 29.5 reception yards. And he has one catch for 30 yards. So let's just, just, go, just get out of the backwards. game. Don't get go him out of the game. We're good. <laughs> don't go backwards. So I'm, I mean, you're good. I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Yeah. This is, look, Ben, this is so just from quarter a unit play, by for, from a perspective of watchability here, dude, let's step away from the betting yeah. for a second here, because going into this postseason last week, where basically every result for competitive, at least for me, one through seven competitiveness in the AFC totally dissipated last week. Because the Chargers and the Colts were clearly better the whole the whole year than the Raiders and the Steelers were. And, of course, naturally, we know what happened in Game 272. We know what happened with Jacksonville embarrassing Indianapolis in a result that was really never in doubt once that game started. After Jacksonville went right down the field, Lawrence started the game 13 for 13 and was a beatdown. You now are probably getting the proper four teams, assuming Kansas City handles their business tomorrow, which is going to make for, A, fascinating watches, and, B, I'm really curious to see, especially with the way this game is trending, where it's looking like it's going to be Buffalo in a round. And if Kansas City struggles and doesn't cover, but wins tomorrow night, mm-hmm. how much does this line move in favor of Buffalo? Where remember we were in week five, when Kansas City was completely and utterly broken, Ben. Buffalo went in there and destroyed the Chiefs. That was 38-20. That game wasn't even that close. That wasn't even the close of the 18-point final score. But Kansas City was playing as poorly as they were all year at that point. I'm curious to see, assuming we get that Kansas City-Buffalo matchup, what that line is. I think Kansas City should probably be 2.5 like they were in that Week 5 game. If, if Kansas City struggles and Buffalo wins this game, Sure, it looks like Buffalo could win this game 38-10 to 10 at this rate, Ben. Wouldn't shock me if this thing turns into like Kansas City won, especially if they struggle. And that would be a scenario where I'd be all over the Chiefs and it'd be fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me if Buffalo wins that game next week at Arrowhead, assuming Kansas City 
wins that game tomorrow. And, of course, there's a lot of game left. New England could make an epic comeback, but it doesn't look promising so far. Not promising. They are reviewing that rushing touchdown, but it looked, was to, in. Us, it looked to us he like was he was in. in. And if you were a first-half overbetter, most shops this closed on the first-half total 21, you would at the very least secure a push, assuming this touchdown, and it will be upheld, assuming the extra point is made by Tyler Bass. Buffalo minus three going to get there on the first half line. Again, we're now uh, at the seven-minute mark of our first half. 20 to nothing. Again, review, confirmation, and PAT pending here. We will do the exercise, Jeff, in a little bit because we will get to what we saw earlier today with Raiders-Bengals. We will get to the exercise of what would we make the hypothetical lines. It's funny how, to your point, and the way this game is played out, we might not <laughs> might not be that hypothetical because we might have a really good idea of what at least the first two matchups are. And as we know, as you mentioned, Jeff, the, the Sunday night game uh, next uh, tomorrow night, that is our highest line uh, on the on the board there, as we'll obviously preview all the games. So this might not be as much of an exercise of, of hypotheticals as uh, practicality. Well, again, look, if Pittsburgh somehow wins tomorrow at Arrowhead, then all bets are off. I'm not, I, I haven't even really even looked at what a potential Cincinnati Buffalo game would, would be in my, in how I would rank it. Or for that matter, what a Tennessee Pittsburgh game would be in that matter. Cause I mean, again, you haven't gone through all the scenarios. Jeff, you aren't giving on, me. Look, look, look <laughs> Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is, is the worst playoff team in a good while in the NFL. If they win at Arrowhead tomorrow, all bets are off for the rest of the AFC playoffs. That'd probably be a big win. Obviously, it'd be a big win for Tennessee if that happens. Uh, I would. I, yeah, I think we'll see a few people in Nashville <laughs> with those terrible towels down on Broadway uh, tomorrow night. Extra point is blocked. blocked. So oh, it remains twenty it, to nothing. I come on. <laughs> I did no such thing. We're just getting started. Visa Bet Center from Las Vegas. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of Challenge Champion. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. VSIN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance Special provides VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bets emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VSIN.com with our exclusive. Betting split breakdowns on every game, and it's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. We're back. VSIN Bet Center just getting started here for four hours on a Saturday night with Jeff Parles. I'm Ben Wilson. We were assuming, Jeff, we would have a game to talk about, but the, the wry look you are, uh, you are giving me suggests somewhat otherwise this has been a boat racing so far although on a third and six which i thought was going to be a three and out because mac jones throws a ball well over the head of his intended target but brad allen has the flag out pass interference and your arms are no i mean again i think after last i think after last week when the raiders got that pi when Carr was legitimately throwing the ball to the luxor uh, I was and, and, I was closer to where that ball. Yeah, yeah, I was on the sideline. Side, I was closer to that ball. Zay Jones was. It was like ten feet yeah. for me. It was about forty yards from Zay Jones. It was yeah. insane. That didn't in the old rules when uncatchable existed. That would have been uncatchable too. The one that just got called on Levi Wallace. But look again. Even though again, I, I even though in the last segment the discussion was what is a possible Buffalo Kansas City game going to be lined when Buffalo is still playing and Kansas City hasn't even played yet. Look, there is still a lot of game left here. 20 to nothing. New England gets the ball first in the second half, too. 
So if New England can double dip, get this thing to 20 to 14, kind of like that Indianapolis game, which, yes, I know they ended up losing and not covering. Mm-hmm. You have a 20 to nothing lead at home in a playoff game and it gets tighter. There's no pressure on the Patriots. It's only on Buffalo. Now, I don't think that happens. But look, this is a must-score drive for the Pats, and then it is a must-stop if Buffalo is any time at the end of the half. I would I would agree with you. And after it appeared as though it would have been a three-and-out, Mac Jones, they do get a first down, but on second and seven at midfield, Mac Jones sacked back to his own 40. So a third and very long upcoming for New England, 525 to go in the half. I now, you have made me feel very bad for the potential jinx on our first half over betters because the extra point... Block. You should feel bad. 20 to nothing. 21 is our first half total. And we could very well see here Jeff New England pin Buffalo deep in their own territory in suboptimal field goal conditions, to say the least, with about four minutes left in the first half. We'll see what happens first. Third and 15, five to go uh, in the first half. But I, I already feel bad. I will look, I will give up. I will give away a portion of my winnings on this Hunter Henry receiving prop ticket to anybody who uh, tweets. No, no, you they, won't. No, no, you won't. Well, I won. I'm going to win about five dollars on that ticket. So oh, that's I, good. I would give away. A, that's good. Know, I would give away one percent, which is you know, a nice, a nice one nickname. American dollar. A little less than that. Actually. Yeah, there you go. Well done. <laughs> well done. Uh, another. We have another flag. Out. Delay a game. I will tell you, it would take a lot though, Jeff, for this game and uh, Brad Allen's crew as yes, delay a game called to outdo what we saw from Jerome Boger oh, and crew earlier today. Before we get into that game, quickly the the scenarios now because we will do the hypothetical mm-hmm. uh, lines and matchups here. So Cincinnati goes to Tennessee if assuming the chalk this, holds. The chalk holds. Chalk holds. Yeah. If if we get Buffalo hanging on up twenty to nothing. And New England facing a third and 20 in their own territory right now. Again, four and a half to go in the second quarter. As well as a Kansas City largest favorite in wild card history since expansion in 2002. If those results hold and New England checks it down well short of a first down and will punt on fourth and long from midfield, giving the ball back to Buffalo down 20. Cincinnati goes to Kansas City. If New England somehow comes back and wins this game and the Chiefs hold serve tomorrow, you would see Cincinnati go to Buffalo if the Bills win and Pittsburgh pulls off the colossal upset. And if we get the ultimate chaos, if Pittsburgh wins and New England comes back, as New England is is about to be a double-digit money line underdog, Jeff, when these numbers get reposted. At last check, they were getting 19.5 at plus 900 on the money line. I'm sure that's going to tick up here momentarily after this punt. If, if somehow those two results have happened, if New England comes back and, and Pittsburgh were to come back, you would have Cincinnati hosting New England. I think we can probably, with a decent amount of confidence, rule that out. But what we saw earlier today, Cincinnati at home against Las Vegas to open the playoffs, 26-19 your final, with a lot of late money coming into Cincinnati. This went from Bengals opening minus 6.5, down as low as 5 in the market before coming back up earlier today, Jeff, up to Cincinnati minus 6. 48 and a half your total. The total essentially comes down to the final play of the game where Derek Carr looks for Zay Jones in the end zone. Had that pass been completed, he would have been short anyway, but had he completed the pass for a touchdown, total would have gone over. And after a game that flew over in the first half, slowed way down, and the Bengals, Jeff, somehow hang on in a game that at what at one point you felt Cincinnati should have been up by about 21. And at the same time, you felt, the Raiders had a legitimate chance to win the game, had a couple of different things went differently for them. Kind of a microcosm, honestly, of the Raiders in this 2021 season, if we're, if we're really objectively analyzing Yeah, it. but if the Bengals didn't mess around in a red zone, this game's a blowout. That's wow, what I said the first so, 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 like, <laughs> hey, look, this is one of those where you can argue, even though the Eagles, I would say that the Eagles were probably a worse team than the Raiders, even though they had a really sparkly point differential 
the, at, by the end of the year, the Raiders had the worst point differential of any team in the playoffs, even worse than Pittsburgh. The Raiders are going to be a team next year, Ben. Just fast-forwarding a second. The Raiders are going to be the team that I'm looking to fade the most going into next year because they won so many games that were tight this year that that is not good. That is going to regress to the mean in the negative for them. So just look at that next year when win totals come out. If the Raiders are eight and a half or nine, even though Miami ended up getting there, they're kind of like the Dolphins from last year to me. Now for this one today, Cincinnati's defense is going to be a problem at some point in this postseason. They were able to hold up in the red zone. The Raiders had to kick four field goals. The Raiders made a big error on that final drive, Ben, where they spiked the ball on first down, on first and goal. They ended up having a fourth and goal from the nine with 17 seconds. So that means they had plenty of time to run up, get a playoff, and actually make a try to make a play there instead of wasting a down. You can't waste a down at that part of the game. But for Cincinnati, their defense, I don't trust them. We've seen this year at times when that defense gets blown up, they get blown up. Mike White threw for 400 yards and the Jets beat them. The Browns put 40 on them. They, at some point in this postseason, the Bengals' defense is going to get lit up. I don't think they're good enough to make a Super Bowl going into this week. I thought, oh, maybe they're worth a sprinkle at, at plus 859-1, maybe even 8-1 to one to win the Super Bowl. But I, I today, even though they held them to 19 points and were good in the red zone, in the end, Ben, I don't think Cincinnati's defense is good enough to carry them far enough, uh, even with how good that offense is, even though that offense was pretty inefficient in the red zone today. And Derek Carr, his passing props get there, 310 yards, although his touchdown prop only threw one today. As you see what the end of uh, end, the closing props looked like, he did not go over uh, Derek Carr. But yes, to your point, Jeff, you could make a pretty compelling argument that Cincinnati passed defense-wise if you were combining everything from their secondary as is reflected in, say, past DVOA defense, as well as their past rush, who also had 1.3 guys leave that game early today. Of all the playoff teams left, probably the worst unit as a whole. I mean, you could argue maybe Philadelphia, some of Philadelphia's back-end secondary guys are worse, but it is offset somewhat by the pass rush they're able to get. I would argue just on the whole, you're looking at a, an entire unit on the defensive side of the ball just defending the pass they are the worst unit still alive in the playoffs. And I say still alive because as New England is probably going to be bounced here, they give up another massive pass play down the sideline. J.C. Jackson gets burned in Buffalo back into New England territory. I, I just want to touch on this Buffalo game real quick because yeah. we're not we, – we, Bill Belichick's the best coach in the history of the league. But there have been two decisions in this game when his defense clearly can't get off the field on punts, on coin flip decisions – the fourth and one at his own 34 down 14 nothing. That probably should have been a go just with the way and how bad Buffalo, uh, how bad New England's defense has looked so far in this game. And I know it's early. And I understand fourth and eight is fourth and eight for midfield. But we're not even a minute and a half later, and Buffalo's all the way down to the 25 yard line now. 45 yard pass from yeah. Allen to Diggs. Buffalo will take a timeout, 224 to go in the half into New England territory. So for first half over betters who just saw that, that missed extra point in the last series. They have been given a little, little bit of life. Buffalo is going to score a touchdown in this game. I, this game is going to be completely donezo yeah. at halftime. Just a matter of will the total get there. And you know what, Jeff? If that is the case, you know who will, will maintain our last rookie underdog to win straight up in the wild card round? Hold on. I think, well, hold on. I don't I, want to overthink I, this. You you know it. You know it deep it's down. Mark Sanchez, right? The Sanchez. Yeah, Sanchez. Sanchez had, uh, at Cincinnati, 2009 two and, playoffs. Two and a half point dog. Yeah. There you go. I don't want to, I just wanted to make sure I didn't overthink that. 
Very good job not <laughs> overthinking it, Jeff. The wild card Saturday. I mean, when you think wild card Saturday night, like I first my first thought that comes to mind is Romo fumbling the, the extra point yep. hold. I think Marty Schottenheimer belligerently on the field. Another great Jet memory for you, by the way. Uh, 2004 playoffs. A lot of fun Saturday night memories. This is probably not going to be one of them. It's also, by the way, now 14 to 1 live money line, uh, New England, and only going up from here as we're into a timeout. Darren Sproles in overtime, right? Against Indianapolis, North Turner. A lot of good ones on those Saturday night games. A lot of good ones. But this is not one of those. No, you are are correct. (laughs) Not one of those. I do want to touch on after the break, uh, we will will get into our hypothetical lines here for for Cincinnati moving forward. We'll we'll give our final thoughts on this Raiders season because you made some good points that we can just kind of file away as betters for when we get the offseason odds coming out uh, because there are some compelling cases to, and just angles to look at for the Raiders going forward now that their season, after all that, all the ups and downs has now been uh, finally put to rest. We'll discuss that next. Continue to keep you posted on this Saturday night game. Bill's on the move up 20 to nothing on New England as we continue here on VEASAN Bet Center. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all our shows or download and listen on your schedule. Go to vcin.com slash podcast and get Beating the Book with Gail Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi Line, Follow the Money, My Guys in the Desert, Coast to Coast Hoops, and many more. They're all free and available now at vcin.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking news. The Bills just scored again, Jeff. This is, this, this is basically <laughs> 20 years of frustration for this franchise. This is kind of Against, like 2003 week one, yeah, just in a playoff game. Yeah, but but this, this is 20 years of frustration for Buffalo against New England coming out in one half where this is almost like a big tag. Like, Buffalo was in the AFC Championship game last year. They don't need to, they, they don't really need to prove that they're, again, I thought they were a little worse than some people thought they were this year, but they were clearly a playoff, a legit playoff team for most of the year, except for that one little, little stretch and one four-quarter stretch in Jacksonville earlier this year. But I, this is this is a total destruction yeah. right now in Western New York. And, look, I don't remember ever seeing a New England team look like this in any game, period. I, this is probably the worst. And, and, again, I know this game ended up working out all right for them. The worst, this is the worst performance in a half they've had since the Super Bowl against Atlanta, probably. I mean, that's how bad it has looked so far. Granted, of course, that game ended up with the Lightly greatest comeback. different personnel. That, that ended up with the best comeback in the history of the NFL. And also, uh, the guy Brady is there instead of uh, Mac Jones, was there instead of Mac Jones right now. But mm. look, uh, this is this is prolific from Buffalo's offense. Four drives, four touchdowns. Four drives, four touchdowns. Yeah. 9.1 yards per play. 300 to 78. They are out yarding New England, who has four first downs. On the day, 1809 to 958 time of possession. Everything about this has been, I think we opened the show saying one-way traffic. It's been, it's been even more than that, really. It's again, you're like you said, 300 yards, nine yards of play drives of 70, 80, 81, 89, no penalties, no sacks, no negative plays. That is one of the most dominant stat lines you will (laughs) ever see 
in any NFL game. That's like if that's what Buffalo should have done to Jacksonville earlier this year. Not to New England in a playoff game. It's remarkable what the Bills have done tonight. And again, I, I know we'll get into it here, but it is going to be really interesting to see if Kansas City screws around tomorrow night, which you and I both know Kansas City is more than capable of getting out 14 nothing, and they just oh, yeah. flat out stop playing and win the game by six. It is going to be very interesting to see what that number is for Buffalo, Kansas City, with Buffalo coming off of this, and if Kansas City does not look particularly good in victory tomorrow night against Pittsburgh. Do you know, Jeffrey, who the last postseason team to score in its first four touch or four drives, score a touchdown on its first four drives was? It was a game that... How long ago was it? It was three years ago. Three years ago. A lot. I will just say this. Uh, it involved one of these two teams tonight, and a lot of us liked the wrong side. Oh, that was the infamous Gus Bradley has the worst defensive game plan in the history of the NFL. That's the New England yes. Charger game, yes. by the way. 2018 uh, that, that Ben is referring to. Yeah. Where, you were right. Where you were not, where I was on the Chargers in a big As way. I, I thought the Chargers... Plus four. I thought the Chargers were going to win the game outright. And, the and Gus Bradley came out with the worst game plan than he had this year against the Chiefs, which was not possible. <laughs> well, that that is one that will go down in infamy, as as will this game too, as a colossal playoff beatdowns. Speaking of Gus Bradley, though, good way to segue back to the Raiders. Yeah, you you mentioned not being high on on Las Vegas coming back for next year. You have to imagine Raiders losing today, and also speaking of defense for Gus Bradley. Uh, while the you know the personnel was up and down mm-hmm. this year, and they they had guys who exited that game earlier today. Bottom line, Raiders don't stop the Bengals, do not prevent the Bengals from scoring until their sixth drive of the game, which took place halfway through the third quarter. Las Vegas essentially got two stops the entire game, the latter of which at least allowed them to have the final chance to tie the game at the end as they get eliminated today with the 26-19 loss. But by virtue of Ritz Bishachia as an interim head coach going 7-5 and five after taking over for the res- resigned John Gruden and getting into the playoffs, by virtue of Derek Carr, Jeff, also playing fairly well and being the quarterback leading a team to an unlikely playoff berth. Remember the Raiders at one point were 8-9-1 or nine to one in some markets even to make the playoffs at one point down the stretch. You have to think that team will be locked into those two individuals and with a a career assistant in Rich Bisaccia, who is not really head coach type material, probably locked into Las Vegas, Jeff, a roster that has certainly a lot of talent, but has been as in today was another example, undisciplined, sloppy. Some of the characteristics, characteristics that have really defined that Las Vegas and Oakland franchise for decades with a you know, mediocre to slightly above average quarterback in Derek Carr. You have to think that that Las Vegas team, what they did this year, especially down the stretch, will go down as one of the more smoke and mirror-y results oh, yeah. in a December, early January. I mean, that's not even for debate. I mean, they beat Nick Mullins on a field goal at the end. They beat, let's face it, Carson Wentz probably still had COVID going through his body in that Week 17 game. And then they beat the Chargers in a game where, look, uh, I-, I know everyone – decided that the timeout that Staley took in overtime was the worst thing of all time. It wasn't even... It wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, the Raiders were going to probably run for 10, 10 yards on that play anyway. And the thing nobody talked about was that the Raiders were still in Carlson's range. He would have been a 61-yarder. Well, Had they ran the clock all the way down, they could have still tried a field goal anyway. Not that we would. We need to go back on I this. I'm just, if they were 61-yard kick, he probably would have punted and taken the tie and gone into Kansas City next week. 
At least that's what I think he would have done. I don't know if he would have or not. The point is, Staley still would have had to make the timeout decision exactly. to force would, their hand either He would have had to have taken a timeout so they don't run it down to exactly. no time you left. You couldn't let them run it yeah, down to exa- Exactly. Three. But yeah. regardless, uh, the Raiders were fortunate to make the playoffs. And look, they, they, they earned their playoff berth. There's no arguing that. But usually when a team is winning tight games and has a horrible point differential like the Raiders did the worst of anyone in the postseason, even worse than Pittsburgh, more times than not, you regress horribly to the mean the next year. And, look, I I think Passaccia did a tremendous job keeping that team afloat. Getting to the playoffs was an incredible accomplishment. But if they keep Passaccia long-term, they're probably looking at in 6-11, and 7-10. He's not going to win. He's not going to win you games as a head coach. And if I'm not and mistaken... And that staff's I, not good enough I, either. Yeah, I believe last two years, too, their win total has been at... Uh, at seven the, and at, a half, right? Yeah, and well, and yeah. I think this... Yeah, I mean, went over this year, they've, obviously. They've, they've, they've managed to... Oh, they went over up two years ago. I believe they were actually 8.5 in 2020 because I had an alt-win under ticket on them. They went under everything. <laughs> Which... Yeah. Uh, well, no, they went. The, yeah, they, 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 they went. Right, yeah. yeah, I lost yeah. that. Yeah. I should have yeah. just. I should have not gotten cute with that, Jeff. Yeah, but, yeah. We're we're not smart all like the, the time. Uh, the reverse of the few years before with the two point conversions, but yes. Uh, look, 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 in the end here, Ben, for the Raiders next year, they're going to be a team going to be looking to mm-hmm. fade, as I said earlier. Uh, probably go under their win total. Probably go under. Uh, you fade them in games. Big fourth down conversion for New England at the end of the half. It looks like they're at least going to be able to get a field goal attempt here in the final seconds. But uh, look, uh, for today, just to put the bow on today for the Raiders and, and and Cincinnati, to flip it to Cincinnati's perspective, and I know we'll get to the perspective Cincinnati and Tennessee matchup, which is looking more and more likely by the minute here. Cincinnati's going to have to be much better in the red zone. Because if you went up against the worst red zone defense in the last five years in the league, the Raiders gave up 81% of touchdowns in the red zone this year, which is a laughably horrible number. And Cincinnati only scored on two of two of their drives inside the red zone. So, look, it's it just one of those for the Bengals where they need to get better in the red zone. They will lose to any of the teams, assuming that Buffalo wins this game and uh, Kansas City handles their business. They'll lose to any of the other three teams, likely with them in a divisional round if they play a game like they did today next week. And a game where they Cincinnati significantly out yarded, yeah. out uh, you know out yard per played as well, out first downed in that game. Uh, yes, uh, we, we will discuss that here after the break, uh, but the, the Raiders' season comes to an end. I will just mention, though, Jeff, you, you talked about the big fourth down. Patriots get a fourth and five at the 40, down into field goal range, 44-yard attempt for Nick Folk. I would argue this is actually a really big kick for the total because with this being bet down to 43, the one worry I would have in the second half if you're an overbetter is New England just not being able to move the ball and score. You get a field goal here to make it 27-3 as he's lining up to take the kick, Jeff. That puts you in a spot where you just need 14 in the second half. You need two Buffalo touchdowns, and you're good. Folk with a nice driving kick that is right down the middle and good. So we will go into the half. 27-3 Buffalo. They were laying three in the first half. Goes well over the 21 for your uh, your first half number there. And uh, Jeff at 30 right now. All that steam to the under has been, uh, it, it you know shows us the old time and true example of true Temperature does not dictate a total. It's wind, the wind. Wind does. And, not, the, and even precipitation doesn't yeah, dictate it, anything. Look, we, part of the reason that you usually see snow games and teams having trouble move the ball with the snow, but it usually happens when it's snowy. There's usually a lot of wind in those systems. So, Funny how that works. So, I, again, I will have a wind game tomorrow to break down later in the show. That will be one that will be fascinating 
to see how far that total dips when we get to that later. We will be discussing all of our NFL games. We'll also check in with Dwayne Colucci from the Rampart Racing Sportsbook later on in the show. But up next, we will discuss outlook for the Cincinnati Bengals going forward after their win today here on VEASAN Bet Center. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s... I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. 
like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available on VSIN.com for you to keep up with key NFL props. Head to VSIN.com to get current odds as well as the movement each week to follow the trends and find the best value. Track the odds for MVP, head coach, rookie of the year, and more. Check out the prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every game now at vcin.com slash NFL. As we're back, halftime here on vcin Bet Center. Not of our show. We're well within the first quarter, Jeff. Or oh, in the final. We're, we're in the final part of the first quarter. Sure. That is technically that the is last. Correct. It is the last part. That is correct of the of the first quarter. I'm wrong on that, Ben. No, you, you're <laughs> math guy here, Jeff Barnes. Big man. Uh, yeah. I'm Ben Wilson. We are at halftime though in Orchard Park, where that is not an error on your screen. The Buffalo Bills lead 27-3 on the New England Patriots. Just to update those of you following the props, if you're wondering where you're at right now, first off, a a second half line here, Jeff. New England laying one and a half. For the second half, so at this point, with a 24-point margin, getting 22.5 for the game. 21 is your total, so we're at 51 right now. Remember, this closed 43 or 43.5 in most shops with Buffalo laying 4 or 4.5. If anything you are interested in second half, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess nothing. No, I'll stay off. I'll stay off. There's no, look, if you miss the boat. No no point chasing. There's no reason to chasing that boat. As far as the props, though, there are a lot of things actually still in play. A lot of things live still. As we, we show you what these closed at and some variance depending on the number. Josh Allen, 172 passing yards in the first half. Mac Jones, 106. So both of them obviously shy so far, but both on pace to clear that. Allen has already gone over his touchdown prop. That was at the minus 110. He's thrown two in the first half. And Mac Jones does throw a first half interception. So you can put to bed those bottom two. As far as the receiving... Maybe a surprise here, and that Cole Beasley shut out in the first half. No catches for Cole Beasley, who is lined at three and a half and thirty-five and a half on his receptions and yards. It's been not really it's been more of the the running attack first off, but Dawson Knox. It's been his half along with Stephon Diggs, three for sixty for Stephon Diggs. So uh, Diggs about halfway to his reception prop probably needs one, maybe two more catches to get over that reception yards amount at seventy-two and a half. But Knox, 3 for 43, already over his reception yard prop and does score not once but twice. So props to you if you, uh, I don't know what that two-plus touchdown prop was, Jeff, but that would be a lot longer than plus 210. That cashes as well. And uh, as far as the receiving props for the New England Patriots, my Hunter, so 30-and-a-half at DraftKings. I bet this is circa 29-and-a-half. Hunter Henry, the over reception, he uh, reception yardage. He has one catch for thirty yards, Jeff. And uh, based on what we've seen out of this offense, would it surprise either of us if this ends one for thirty for Hunter Henry? Probably not. Not one bit. <laughs> what the, <laughs> kind of a hilarious well middle somehow there. But that is uh, that is one of them. Uh, your 
Brandon Bolden, four for 27. Not on our list there. Uh, Jacoby Myers, two for 26. So he's well below his. Uh, and Johnu Smith has not registered a catch. So, uh, Jeff, ne- neither of those players uh, are uh, are on the board. And as for the rushing, Devin Singletary off and rolling 11 for 58. So he is probably going to get over that rushing yardage prop. Already has scored twice as well. Plus 140. Damian Harris, five for 12 yards in the first half, Jeff. Not exactly ideal. And Josh Allen, 63 yards. So he has already gone over there. But as as is the case when you're in a 27-3 game, props for one team look very good. Props for another team look Not the so much. Yeah. Not so much. I can't believe if Hunter Henry ends one for 30, yeah, it's, uh, it'll be it'll be a good chuckle. It'll be a good chuckle. And I'm glad I didn't jinx anybody on the first half over because I know you would have not let me forget. Oh, you, you would have you, you would have uh, you would have been reminded constantly through the program I, tonight. I certainly I certainly would have. Uh, so as far as what appears to be the case now, and again, uh, it, we mentioned on this you know, this whole money line deal, New England twenty to one to win the game. As far as our outcomes going forward now, Cincinnati. Again, with Kansas City coming in tomorrow night, hosting Pittsburgh as high as minus 750 on the money line. Overwhelming favorites, Jeff, for the chalk to hold in the AFC. We would have a Cincinnati-Tennessee matchup next weekend. This has been a very interesting weekend, I'm sure, for uh, for Titans fans, for backers of theirs in the futures market to try to figure out who would be the best matchup. I'm curious what your thoughts are on, on what this matchup would look like on the, the Tennessee side. I know you've talked about what has to be better for Cincinnati going forward on the defensive side of the ball. But a lot of the things that concern most of us, I think myself included, and a lot of the betting market too, while we had seen a lot of early Raiders money come in, would be the lack of experience for Cincinnati showing in a game like this. And from the experience angle, Jeff, with a third-year head coach in his first playoff game and a second-year quarterback in his first playoff game, those elements were not really the issue because Zach Taylor did not make any game management errors, really, throughout this game. Joe Burrow was close to perfect, as close as you could be in a playoff game where Burrow goes 24 of 34, 244, and two touchdowns. So I, I wonder for you if you think that changes now that you go from home to road and you take on a one seed, or if it is more just that defensive element we discussed earlier that's going to be the, the key factor, especially if we assume Derrick Henry does return. That's obviously not a part of the He'll be pass there. defense He'll be there. That, uh, that, that Tennessee struggled with. Because remember, Cincinnati, much better run defense all year than they were against the pass. So on paper, you could make an argument that with the whole lack of experience thing taken care of today and with how comfortable Burrow and Taylor is his head coach and Jamar Chase by by extension look today you could make a case that Cincinnati could be pretty live to win this thing depending on the number well I'm curious to see what the number ends up being because even before this weekend came in my head I was thinking Tennessee's gonna be one and a half two at home against Cincinnati they're not gonna be a big favorite I, I know Cincinnati didn't play their best game today but they still won. Burrow made some impressive plays. I mean, the touchdown, it ended up being a controversial one because it was pretty evident that someone blew their whistle in the middle of the play, and they still let it stand as a touchdown to Higgins. But I, I think Cincinnati's going to probably only be, what, a one-and-a-half-point, one two-point underdog in that game against Tennessee, assuming that's the matchup? If it's if, if somehow, again, if this all could be bets off, if Buffalo – collapses in the second half for Kansas City, somehow loses tomorrow to Pittsburgh. But assuming it's Cincinnati and, and Tennessee, Ben, I expect it to be one and a half or two with Tennessee as the favorite. I think the whole key more than anything is going to be, we have seen Tennessee's defense at times this year fall apart with their secondary. And this is a team you cannot fall apart against while defending the pass. 
Because if you fall apart against these receivers, even though he didn't score, Chase was phenomenal today. Higgins is a great number two. Tyler Boyd seemingly gets forgotten because of how good the other guys are. And Boyd is a great number three wide receiver. Even Uzama had a tremendous game flying over his props today. So, look, I I, kind of like the matchup for for Cincinnati. They just need to be better defensively. And one thing that happened during the game that we're going to have to monitor this week, Trey Hendrickson, their best pass rusher, left with in concussion protocol today. So that is something to monitor through the week, especially we're assuming it will be a regular week for Cincinnati. We're assuming Cincinnati and Tennessee is going to be that early game on Saturday. I think that's the safest assumption within the scheduling, knowing how the NFL does this with these matchups. But that's something worth monitoring because if Henderson is out, that defense did get worse when he was out of the game. That pass rush, except for that one point, one sack on the last drive, really didn't do much the rest of the game with Henderson out with the concussion. So that's something to monitor this upcoming week for Cincinnati. You're thinking one and a half, which would essentially say, given that we've we've seen the data that home field advantage worth about one and a half to 1.8 this year, you're essentially making this a pick on a neutral field with the way these two teams are at right now. Let's just think of it this way. If Cincinnati was at home against Tennessee this upcoming week, Cincinnati be favored. I think that's a pretty safe assumption at this point. Yeah. So I think, so. I, I think it's, it's probably a one point, probably, probably not one and a half points for home field for Tennessee. I think that's about right in, in Nashville. Definitely less right. than the three. I, so I think one and a half, too. I, I think that's thinking. probably where it lands. And I, would, I think Cincinnati will get bet, too. I think no, I, I, I am absolutely in agreement with you on that. I actually, I think this opens Tennessee minus three, and you get Cincinnati money. That's a take right there. If it's Maybe three. two and a half to protect. It obviously depends on the, the bookmaker's position, but we'll obviously ask Dwayne Colucci in a little bit. Oh, he's going to join us with his uh, Rampart Sportsbook a view on that in a couple hours, but... That's at least the position I would take. Try to protect it on against all those people jumping at the three. That's an auto take if it's three. There's a part it's of me too. Take. There's a part of me, Jeff, that because so many people have been anti-Tennessee. The advanced the advanced numbers say they this is a team that you know we, we, as has been well documented. A team based on the advanced numbers, DVOA, worst one seed of all time. That people will just be, no matter what the line is, you set. You could make Cincinnati a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. People will still bet the Bengals next week. There is a part of me that will be very, very tempted to just back Tennessee regardless, depending on how how the injury reports shape up for Cincinnati coming out in the next week, simply because you are are right. It is going to feel like a colossal wave of betting interest in the market on that Bengal team. So the last one seed to be an underdog in a divisional round was Philadelphia against the, the Falcons. Obviously, Two point obviously, we know what ended up happening. We know what happened. Philadelphia, of yeah. course, with Nick Foles rolls through, gets the goal line stand against Atlanta, pounds Minnesota, wins the Super Bowl against New England. Tennessee is the, the hardest team to figure out. I know we'll get to that a little bit later. Certainly will. Figure out other scenarios as well. As we go into Hour 2, V-CIN Bet Center, about to get underway. Second half in Buffalo, Patriots Bills. We'll keep you posted on that. Up next. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge 
Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleha Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.